Welcome to The Barbell Strikes Back. I'm your host, James McDermott, and my guest today on the show is Tracy Meyer. Tracy is the owner, founder, head coach of CrossFit Sona and Inspire Fitness, located in Binghamton, New York. She's also a master's weightlifter who has been competing and experiencing all kinds of things for over five years. Tracy, how are you doing? I'm doing great, James. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm happy to get you on the show. Uh, it's been my mission to get you on the show for quite some time. Yeah. And we finally have done it. And actually, this is a historical show. This has never happened before where someone is on the show in person. Yeah. 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 Nor you're the first in-person guest. Normally, I do these interviews through Zoom and also on the phone. Okay. So you're the first person to be here using the same microphone. We can see each other eye to eye. You can give me all kinds of signals with your hands on like, <laughs> hey, stop talking, all these things. So this is a, a cool experience. And this, is a, this will be talked about in the Barbell Strikes Back history books years from now I'm on sure. the first interview. All right. And you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool because it kind of reminds me of weightlifting. Our, our shared passion weightlifting, this is uh, outside of my comfort zone. I've done 37 episodes in my apartment in Albany mm -hmm. where I have all my things. I have my papers. I have my table. You know, I, I've got my, well, I have a fit aid here. I always have to have a fit aid when I'm doing the show, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's almost like training in your gym, in your spot with mm -hmm. your equipment. And now you're off at the meet. In, now you're on the platform. Yeah. Now you're on the platform. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange environment. Uh -huh. Although CrossFit Sona isn't that strange of an environment for me. You know, I've been here many this times. Offices. This office is, yeah. <laughs> you know, I almost feel like I've been called into the office. <laughs> no, I feel like I've been called I, into I, the One office. of us is about to be reprimanded <laughs> right now. So it just, uh, it's just kind of cool that where it's, you know, get outside your comfort zone, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's something that podcasting mm -hmm. has done for me. And it's something that weightlifting has done for both of us. Yes. That's true. Now, speaking of weightlifting, yesterday, August 22nd, Saturday, which I, I said the date a million times uh -huh. for all those videos, uh, was the 2020 Masters National Championships online event for you. Yes. So we did all of your meets. How was it? How do you, how do you feel about it? Um, I, I feel great about it, actually. Um, it, it was awesome that they moved it to an online platform because we didn't think it was going to happen this year. The original meet was supposed to be in Orlando in April. And obviously with everything, you know, going on with COVID, um, they postponed that to September. And then as the summer started rolling around, they were going to postpone it to December in Orlando, but they also put out a poll to everyone that had been registered, whether or not we would, um, skip, rather skip it, wait, move it to December and wait to see if it happened or do it online. And apparently, and I, I know I voted for online, um, apparently, you know, online people one. wanted online. Yeah. Well, that, that's cool. I, I think that that's, I didn't know that. I think that's very good that they asked the membership, mm -hmm. Hey, what do you guys want? Right. Like, obviously they want to run the event you know, uh, refunding all of that and canceling all mm -hmm. the hotels and stuff. It's a very expensive process for USA weightlifting, but I'm just really happy to hear that they allowed you guys to make the decision. Yeah. And of course not everyone probably voted the same. There are probably no, some people. But who they also gave you the option. If you weren't going to compete online, the Howard Cohen masters meet is in November. 
so they allowed us to also have the choice to transfer our national registration to that okay and that's in savannah georgia so yeah. and that might happen and actually i think that competition's over five days so i think that they're just kind of spreading it out to accommodate people you know yeah with the social distancing and all that seems like masters weightlifting is on the ball i guess yeah yeah they're 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 giving you guys the choice. They're moving things to, you know, just a couple months down the road to meets that are hopefully going to happen. Right. I really hope that the Howard Cohen happens. Yeah. It's a great meet. Yeah. I will not be going, but. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard to travel yeah. out of New York state right now. Right. You know, I've had things yes. where I thought about traveling for them, but I'm like, I'd have to quarantine if yeah. I came back, you know. And even if it's a state that is not on the quarantine list now or when you leave, you know, you, if you're there and it gets on the list, then. You know, you kind of have to prepare for that. Yeah. Uh, that uh, might happen. Exactly. Now for this online meet, I know one of the things that I'm not really struggling with, but I like to know, you know, yeah. it, it, it yeah. like if, if someone announces some sort of news, hey, we're coming out with this on Monday and it's Friday, it, it hurts my brain not being able to know right now. So not knowing the results, mm -hmm. you know, how did we do? Yeah. Even though I'm very confident we did great. You know, not knowing it's a, uh, uh, I'm not losing sleep over it, but I keep thinking yeah. about it. I'm like, man, I wish I knew right now. Well, I, I wish that I wish we would have had, you know, two solid non-questionable lifts to, you know, submit. But I mean, we we're really sure on snatch. It's it's unclear on the um, clean and jerk. Well, yeah, and see, that's the thing. At, at a meet, you get that right. thumbs up, thumbs down right away. You can make those decisions. Yeah. And your snatch, 48 kilos, mm -hmm. first time hitting 48 in a competition in Over about three, three years. years, right? Yeah. And it looked it looked great. It I mean, it was great. solid great. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I was refing, I would that would be a good lift mm -hmm. for me, you know. And I'm 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 tough tough ref. Yeah. You know, I, I hold no punches. But you know, there's gonna be national level refs watching these right. videos. And I don't know what the rules are too. Like can they only watch it once or can they oh. rewind it? Because at a meet, you'd only be able to right. see that lift right. one time. And um, is there a jury? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah is there, there should be <laughs> are a, they judge and jury? Yeah, they, I, they probably are. There, so should they be like a, there should be a jury button where if they flag it down, <laughs> right. you can go in there yeah. and request the jury to look at it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just I, 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 it's, it's been unclear on all these online events on what the process with that is. I feel if we want to keep it most legit to the sport it's got to be as soon as they click play their hands are off mm -hmm. and if if they looked away if something happened oh, you didn't see that lift right. you need to get another ref or something yeah. well hopefully they'll look away on my, my yeah my 62 clean and jerk yeah a, a fly <laughs> will come into the room at that moment and they'll have to bat it around I, yeah <laughs> so overall though how do you feel about your performance um i i feel if it was on a scale of one to 10, I, I'm like at about a 75. Okay. Yeah. What, what's uh, where is that other 25%? Um, I had a little bit um, higher of an expectation in the clean and jerk probably than I should have had mm -hmm. given that we haven't practiced that lift fully for what? Eight months. Yeah. It's been a little while. Yeah. I don't. So I think my, my mindset was still back in December when I had my best clean and jerk ever and, you know, hurt the hamstrings, actually more technically the gemellus muscles. Um, and someone can Google that. Yeah. Gemellus. It's not, it's not in a, in a very great place. <laughs> it's basically your sit bone muscles. Um, so we, we pretty much hung up 
weightlifting for a while, at least from, you know, from the floor with the cleans, because, you know, they're heavier and that's a, you know, it's a load on, on the posterior chain. So, but I don't know. I mean, I, I just confidence wise, like going into yesterday, I was just like, I'm going to just crush this. And the funny thing is, is that I was like, let's just get the snatch over with because that is something I have been practicing at least much more than clean and jerk. And it's just been a little shaky. You know, you've seen my videos yeah. lately and I'm just like, what is going on? Why am I so wobbly? And, and snatch just, it was seamless yesterday. Almost had a lifetime PR. Yeah. We were going um, for 52. Yep. And had 51 over my head, <laughs> literally over my head and with a knee down. <laughs> yep. Um, so, you know, that I was really, I was stoked after snatch. And then I was like, yes, now let's go to the clean and jerk. You know, I was, I thought I'm getting a, another body weight clean and jerk and it's going to be a heavier body weight. Than We're going to get December. 70. I'm like, I'm going to get 70. And I guarantee I could have cleaned 70 yesterday. Cleans were feeling amazing. It's just, ah, uh, that jerk is back to being a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> the, the jerk is a jerk. The jerk is a jerk. Well, it's, it's funny, you know, I've done it before and I'm sure listeners have done this before where going into a meet, you, you have such high expectations and it's not a bad thing. It's like, I, I, I've gone into meets thinking I'm going to set like a lifetime PR. I'm going to do all these things. Then I start warming up and I'm like, ah, <laughs> I don't know about this, yeah. you know, but, but it's like in my head, I could see myself, you know, clean and jerking uh, uh, 130, mm -hmm. you know, or, or something like that. I'm like, this is for whatever reason, I'm going to get that Herculean strength. I'm going to be like a mother whose child is trapped underneath yeah. the car and, and somehow I'm going to do all this. And then I get to the meet and start warming up, start moving. And you kind of get into reality mode a little bit, yeah. but I, it's like I told you yesterday, it's good to what the shoot for the stars right. and then you can land on the moon. Right. So it's, yeah. I think it's a good thing to have those kind of expectations yeah. as long as you can deal with them and not have kind of when that reality sets in, have it affect your performance. Right. Which yeah. I don't and think, I don't know yeah, if it affected my performance. I think that I, that was just what I had yesterday. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, like prior to yesterday, I haven't cleaned more than 59. You mm -hmm. know, every time I would get around 55, I'd start feeling that pull in my hamstring. You know, who knew? I just needed to remember to rock tape. Um, but yeah, and I think, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, having the right mindset and you know feeling confident not necessarily overconfident but having that i'm gonna have the best meet that's half the battle if you don't have that if you go into a meet thinking eh, this isn't gonna happen it's yeah. not gonna happen you know yeah so, you have to have belief right. and confidence in yourself right and you have to roll with the punches yeah. if you feel off if you miss a lift in the back room who knows yeah you can still go out there and perform and that's the difference between someone who's a champion and someone who's who's not you know mm -hmm. Now you, you you mentioned just a second ago, rock taping your hamstring. Yes. There, there are, it's possible there's someone listening who has this type of pain, mm -hmm. True. Uh, but yeah. when you rock tape your hamstrings up into your hip, mm -hmm. the pain isn't as intense and you're able to lift. So you can just, can you just describe really quickly what it is you do to manage this pain right now? You mean as far as like the PT exercise? Well, uh, as far as just, just the rock tape. The rock tape. Yeah. Um, you mean how I rock tape? <laughs> well, yeah, well, where you rock tape. Okay, well, the pain, like the pain in the gemellus muscles, they're like, they're like almost like they feel like deep hamstring, the upper part of your hamstring, like where your sit bones are. 
and when they strain it like pulls all the way down into your hamstring and up into like the piriformis area and everything so um it's not it's not something that i like other people being uh, having to tape although my physical therapist did it for months when i first went, started going there and it was very awkward so it's like you have to start the tape um, pretty much on your SI joint and then it goes really really close to the center and around um, and, and then down your hamstring so so when center you're standing, your butt. yeah and so when you're standing up <laughs> it's like you have two pieces of tape that are you're like what is that you know and then I was saying yesterday how like with the singlet on, it's like, this is really weird, but you know, whatever, whatever it takes to make it, to hey, make it work. <laughs> it, it, it works. So if someone is experiencing maybe some sort of performance pain, some sit bone pain mm -hmm. that, that radiates down into the hamstring yeah. muscles, start a piece of tape. Well, you're probably going to need a friend. So, so have a friend yeah. or a loved one, put a piece of tape yeah. starting up by the SI joint, mm -hmm. angle it down into the, the middle of your butt mm -hmm. and then go around the butt cheek and then down into the hamstring. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully that'll be some relief. Yes. And uh, rock tape is like, it's crack for athletes. That's what I call it. Yeah. Well, and how long did it kind of figure out that this is a successful strategy to tape that spot before you lift and not have the pain while lifting and not be in a debilitated state after it took you a little while, right? What do you mean? Like, a, like a, you were doing the rock tape, in PT yes. before, but then you, we weren't lifting. Yeah, because well, when I was first, when the injury first happened, um, I, I wasn't lifting. We were just trying to mitigate the pain, which is one of the things that rock tape does. Yeah. Um, so I was getting taped just for general movement, you know, like, cause I, I didn't stop exercises. I actually started spinning a lot. Um, and then I don't know, like after a while, you know, the pain starts subsiding, COVID happened and I, that's when I stopped going to physical therapy, but I continued doing the exercises and everything. And I just kind of stopped taping because I, well, I wasn't the one taping. John was taping me. Um, and I just forgot about it. Yeah. And then we started getting back like what a month or two ago when we decided we were going to do the nationals, we started like doing from the blocks and everything. So I didn't really need them from the, the higher blocks. Um, it wasn't hurting. That's why we were able to do cleans from the blocks. Yeah. And then when I, as we got closer and I started get, going down closer to the floor with the blocks. So it was like the six inch blocks and I was, I was starting to feel it. It just kind of stopped. I forgot about rock tape. How can I forget about rock tape? I but, am a rock doc. Yeah, you are. <laughs> but so now, now we know there's a yes. correlation. This is a tool we can use. Yes. And hopefully again, if anyone's listening, use the tape. And if you experience yeah. this type of pain, it's helped Tracy a lot with her lifting. Doesn't mean it'll help you, but oh. it's always good to, like product placement yeah, here. Yeah, turn over all the stones. Rock tape, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we need a show sponsor. have to send this to John. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's dive a little bit deeper here into weightlifting and athletics. So okay. you have been doing weightlifting. You've been on the scene for five plus years, uh, but you had an extensive athletic background before that mm -hmm. in other sports. Yeah. So can you kind of go over your athletic history that kind of takes us up to weightlifting? Sure. Um, Let's see. So I liked running. It, it's actually very ironic um, and counterproductive to weightlifting. I loved, I used to love long distance running. So that was kind of like how I first started getting into um, exercise. Um, it's a long story before that, but in a nutshell, um, my parents were very unhealthy 
when I was growing up. Not not so much by you know choice. I just think it was like um, they it was not knowing what they were doing to themselves. I mean, we're talking about back in the eighties, you know, when processed foods and stuff started, you know, really kind of taking over and everything. And, you know, nobody had any, in my family at least had any idea about nutrition or anything. So, you know, we ate very unhealthy. Um, you know, as kids, you're, you have a really good metabolism up to a certain point and then all of a sudden you start, you know, you could start gaining weight. And, uh, so, um, my parents, they both died in their fifties, early fifties. They were both actually 56, nine years apart. Um, so I kind of like, I, I watched what happened to them and how sick that they were. And I took the stance in my life, like, that's not going to happen to me. So I was like, how am I going to make sure that doesn't happen to me? And mm-hmm. athletics was one way that I was able, you know, to do that. So I started running I would do the whole cross country thing in um, uh, junior high, so seventh, eighth grade, back in Illinois, uh, junior high, seventh and eighth. And then um, we started, uh, they had track tryouts. So I was going to be a sprinter at that point. So I went right. to, I went to, this is like, th- this is how we are, where we are right now, this moment in my life. So I was in track tryouts, seventh grade, and I lined up for the hundred yard dash and I'm like, I'm going to kill this. And I came in last. I mean, I'm, I was slower than slow, you know? (laughs) And so the coach, the head coach, um, he kind of called, he called me over and he's like, Hey, what's your name? Tracy, Tracy, what Tracy Rose, my maiden name's Rose. He's like, Rose shot put ring go. So he sent me over. I mean, there must've been something about my appearance that, you know, he decided, uh, you better, you'd be better off in like the strength sport. And, you know, and that was the beginning of my introduction to any kind of like strength sport, weightlifting, not, not Olympic weightlifting. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So I competed in shot put discus all through, um, junior high, high school. I got into, um, yeah, just shot put discus. And then in college I competed in shot put discus and javelin. So and then, of course, there's the weight room aspect of that. And that's how I started, you know, liking, you know, bench press, deadlifts, back squats. So those are the type of things you did to train for mm-hmm. the, the shot put and javelin. They had us doing, it's funny because now I hear of other gyms that are not necessarily CrossFit gyms and, and they do um, sports training. And the, the one move that they do from Olympic lifting is power cleans. So we, I remember back in high school, that's what we did in college. We did power cleans. And of course we weren't doing them wrong. It was basically like a muscle clean. There was no concept of making contact with the body or anything like that. So, you know, so I, and I loved doing that. I loved doing power cleans. I felt powerful, you know? Right. It's in the um, name. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I had no idea what Olympic weightlifting was at that point. So what kind of instruction did you get? Was there a coach in the room saying, Hey, this is how you bench press and do it. Or did they just Um, kind of give you an assignment with the sets and reps and you just went in and did it? No, I had a good, I had good coaches in terms of things like the power lifts, like the back squat, you know, bench press deadlift. Um, we did shoulder press too. I think that's like a traditional, they had, you know, those, that machine, that big machine that had like the stack of weights for the the overhead press yeah. it had the, it had the leg press the and, then it, stuff. and then it had, and it had the, you know, the bench press. So they were like the actual like um, stacks of, of metal, the blocks, you know, 
um, and we actually had, we, I, there was a weightlifting class and I had the record for bench press and uh, um, leg press and shoulder press at one point and they had their names way up there and everything. You think Not you still that have I'm it? Competitive. Yeah. Oh God, no, I bet. And I bet. I think my bench press was around 150. Um, shoulder press was somewhere over a hundred and I know my leg press was like in the three hundreds. But the funny thing is about the leg press is when you line up to it, you're only at a 90 degree angle. They never had you like back into like a deep squat. Yeah. So I don't think that that was so true. Yeah. Well, that, that might've been during the time where 90 degrees yes. was the standard. Because the back squats, you, we didn't go below 90 either. Yeah. So it was thought that it was going to be harmful yeah. on your knees and everything. Exactly. Exactly. So, but shot put, discus, and javelin, they're all very explosive sports. Um, and something I always had a hard time with, I think, mostly because I would get up and at 5 a.m. and go do the two-mile cross-country run. And, I mean, if anybody, anybody who doesn't understand the whole muscle fiber thing, you know, slow, was slow twitch, slow twitch fast and twitch. fast twitch, I'm training slow twitch muscles in cross-country and then, you know, fast twitch in you know, shot put discus and all those kinds of things. It's like, my coaches would always be like, I need you to stop running long distance, you know? Were, um, were you continuing to run distance for health and weight loss reasons? Yes. And yes. And I think that's why I started running first is because I was like, I'm not going to get fat. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to get fat. I, you know, I know that's not very PC, but you know, I didn't want I attributed my parents' early deaths. Well, at that time they were young, they weren't dead, but they were um, in high school. Um, but, you know, I attributed an unhealthy lifestyle, not exercising, not movement, not moving to why they were so overweight mm -hmm. and unhealthy. Um, so yeah, and I thought I just gotta run so that I can, you know. Just put all those miles on the road. Mm -hmm. How How did, their experience and what you were trying to do affect your nutrition and the way you ate? Uh, I had no concept of nutrition. Mm -hmm. I just had, my, you know, I'm 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, years so it's old. Just, just endless running and just endless being active. Running, yep. And until I started, you know, track with the shot put and discus, then mm -hmm. I started getting into strength training as well. But it's still at the time, I never understood what I was doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just doing it because I loved doing the sport. It wasn't until later years that I started, you know, getting educated on the different, what different things can do for you. you know? If only we had the technology and the knowledge we have yeah. now through CrossFit and everything right. else back then, it kind of makes you wonder like, well, how would it have affected me? Right. Exactly. Now yeah. you're in high school and you're doing shot put and javelin. And then you go into college. Were you continuing those mm -hmm. sports? Yep. Yep. In, uh, well, in high school, it was just, it was shot put in discus. Uh, I qualified for state a, a couple of those years. I actually went to the state championships my senior year. And then in college, I, you know, I qualified for nationals a few times, never actually got to go. Because in, in the sport in high school and college, it's like you can qualify, but they only take a certain number of people. So I never actually got to go to, mm -hmm. to the nationals and other people on the team got those spots, <clears throat> other people from other teams. And yeah, it wasn't necessarily from my team. It's kind of like now with qualifying for worlds, because there's so many more people involved in the master's weightlifting. I see. Like 
if I qualify for nationals, I know I can go. But now, as far as I understand, it's like there's only a certain number of people that can go to Worlds. Yeah, there's like know? a quota per age group and weight class. Right. So even though I qualify, doesn't necessarily mean that I can compete there, you know? So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. So you're in college and you're qualifying for states, nationals, you get done with college. Where does the athletic journey go from there? It stopped. It stopped? (laughs) It stopped. Um, Graduated from college, got a desk job. Doing what? Um, I was actually accounts payables and receivables for a computer rental company. Or actually the first one was computer repair company. Um, Yeah, so I was into like the accounting, had had no necessary, um, not necessarily interested in it. It's just kind of like where... It was I just available. Yeah. Well, that's My probably where all your psychology. <laughs> that's probably where all your computer skills come from, possibly, yeah. right? Well, yeah, yeah. Because I, mean, I mean, like, there's all kinds of labels and yes. documents all oh, over yes. CrossFit. So I'm, I'm extremely Type A. Like to be organized. Like things a certain way. And you know, numbers are the numbers are numbers. There's yeah. no, you know, there's no. Well, well, two plus two is always four. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say too, like CrossFit Sona is probably the cleanest, most organized gym I've ever been in. Oh, like, hey, I, and I, so I've been in a lot of gyms. Yeah. So if anyone's in the Binghamton, New York area and you need a spot to work out, you know, call in advance, schedule an appointment. Product placement. Yeah. But, but there's labels galore. Oh, the floor is taped. Uh, everything is clean. You could probably eat off these floors. Yeah. There's not many gyms you could say that about. No, we like it to be clean. And it was like that before all this happened. Um, now it's even more so now, you know. Oh, yeah. So. Well, that's, I mean, it's kind of good if anything mm-hmm. can be good. You were prepared to make that transition where I'm sure there's a lot of messier box owners Definitely. and gyms out there that are having a hard go of it. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's kind of, to me, it's common sense, regardless of what business you're in, which is why I haven't been so crazy about how they chose a business's a according to their definition of essential to non-essential. I, I don't feel like we were so non-essential to end up in, in phase four, but it's like if every business would have had the opportunity to, you know, abide by CDC guidelines, like the whole social distancing and you yeah. know, just disinfection, cleanliness, wash your hands, all that kind of stuff. So when all this happened, you know, we were proactive about, well, all right, how do we make our place, you know, meet those guidelines without knowing what our actual guidelines are. And so we were, by the end of April, we knew what we could do to reopen, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I mean, Hey, they should have came here and like, okay, this is, this is what can be done. This is a clean gym. You know, it smells nice. Everything's polished and shiny. And, you know, like I said, you can eat off the floor. So they should (laughs) have, they should have came in here before passing final judgment. Yeah. So let's go back. You're working in the computer rental yes. shop and the repair shop, and you're not really being as active as you were. Mm-hmm. What was it? Just because you were busy? Because because you're coming off of that time being a, a teenager and a, 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 someone in college, mm-hmm. where you're motivated to be active and healthy because of what you saw your parents go through. Right. But now, as an adult, things are kind of taking a back seat. So what what yeah. led to that transition? Um, and I don't want to say that I stopped exercising. Um, like I, I think I was still running. Can't you know? I can't remember everything yeah. about the past, but I think that I would still do like outdoor runs and stuff like that. But I never, um, the way I ate 
and I'm not saying like I didn't go eat fried food and pizza every night. I had some understanding of what was good for me and what was not during like college. Let's take college, for example. Um, but because of my activity level, I really didn't pay any attention to calories or, you know, if I wanted to eat pizza, I would, you know, I can put down a pizza. Um, but after you get out of college and you don't have that activity level and then you get a desk job, like I never sat down in college. I mean, you know, to study maybe, but you know, you're always on the go. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't think I understood that I need to cut back on calories. Like I didn't, I had no real understanding of nutrition. Um, it's kind of something no one prepares you for. Right. I mean, now there's a different mindset, but yeah. especially back then you're in college, you're young, your body responds to things a certain way. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you're on the go all the time. Yeah. Then you graduate and you get that job. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah. you're just sitting, you know, and you're, you know, you're making money. Your, your, your goals are changed or maybe not even so much your goal, your, your mindset switches to, all right, what do I need to do to like be able to support myself through life, you know? And it kind of takes a backseat to athletics, which is, you know, something I had done my entire life. It's like, there were no more athletics. I didn't, I wasn't doing intramural sports or anything like that. It just yeah. stopped. And was it just mainly because there's also not a whole lot of avenues for adults the way there is now? Like yeah, at that, back at, then, at that time, weightlifting is like no. so underground. And the whole like personal training gyms or small group fitness gyms didn't really, as far as I know, they didn't exist. It was like you belonged to what was the big club back then? Like Bally's. I know we had a Bally's. I probably had a gym membership somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it's totally, totally different back then. Um, so yeah, but over the years, I just gained weight, you know? When did you start doing all of your races? The Tough Mudder races? Yeah. Um, well, that was back in 2012. Um, it was about a year after I, uh, Trish and I opened Inspire Fitness on the Parkway in Bustle. Uh, we opened in July of 2011, right before the September flood. Um, and I... I, I like heard about Tough Mudder. I, I saw, you know, videos of it and stuff. I'm like, it's an endurance kind of race, a yeah. long, long distance thing. Uh, back up a few, you know, for the few years before that, like I, I was got back into like running long distances and it was just, it became so painful for me. I ended up doing one half marathon. Um, I can't remember what year, but it was a few years before. And I would just end up being to where I had to walk, run, walk, run. Cause I had just too much uh, pain in my shins Shin and stuff splints. because of my feet. My feet are oh, not yeah. made for, for running. Um, so when Tough Mudder came up, it's like, oh, well it's not, there's obstacles and stuff. You get to stop and go, stop and go. So, and it was just, it was something I needed a challenge. You know, yeah. it was at a very difficult time in my life. I had had, um, I was, I'm on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I didn't have the nervous breakdown, breakdown until after the first Tough Mudder but I got obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. And so there was the training involved, the strength training stuff. We had a coach, there were like five of us on, on a team that we were gonna do our first Tough Mudder. And I was just, it was like, it was an obsession. Every waking moment, <laughs> I was thinking about Tough Mudder. Um, 
not too, not unlike when I first started weightlifting. Yep. We'll talk about <laughs> we that. We'll talk about that later. Um, but I don't know, out of context, it's kind of, I mean, it's just, it's a very long story of how things just kind of broke down in my life after we opened a business without really being prepared for it. Um, but so I ended up doing seven Tough Mudders. In, in your Tough Mudder career? Yes. And actually, I think the last one was right after my first meet. Yeah. You remember? Because I remember you saying to me, you know, you have to choose. You can't train for Tough Mudders and do weightlifting. And at the time, I don't know that I really understood it. Yeah. You know, yeah, we can't do you do, remember that? Yeah, I think yeah. I do. We, we, we can't do both. Right. Because I think it's um, the weightlifting training I wanted you to do was being interfered with with yes. all of the Tough Mudder training. Yes. And it, it just, we needed to make a choice. Yeah. 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 You can't do like, explosive movement training like is like in and you know heavy squatting and all that kind of stuff in weightlifting and doing three hour endurance you know training for tough mutter yeah it just didn't it just didn't work yeah it was the a whole whole thing yeah we'll get yeah. into to here soon so uh you around that time you start up inspire fitness about 2011 or so after yeah. after the flood so anyone listening who's not from the Binghamton, New York area in 2011, there was a massive flood in the this area. One, the in second one, yeah, and uh, everything was kind of wiped out. I was actually including this building. Yeah, yeah. I was actually living in town when that happened. Yeah, I was living on Front Street, right across from uh, Tie Time in mm -hmm. the, the frat yeah. house there, yeah. House of Steel. Shout huh. out, shout out to those guys. You were in the frat house. Uh, yeah, I was in that frat house. Oh, I wasn't in the frat, but you were in the frat I, house. I was, a, I was a, a friend of the frat, okay. so uh, so I got to live there nice. while I was uh, working at the YMCA and commuting to Portland. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was a crazy time when that happened. So oh, yeah. so this building was taken yeah, out. Yeah, this this whole area because th this was the training center for my husband's business, Meyer Supply mm -hmm. Family Business, and that huge building over there. So this whole complex, there's that one shed that big not shed it's not a shed that warehouse right in the middle yeah. there and then that huge just like ninety thousand square feet this was all underwater mm -hmm. like this building it was up to the the top of the doorway wow yeah and over in their building the second flood it was you know it was like six feet so in what some areas what made you so just after the flood <clears throat> you start up inspire Fitness. no we started up before oh, just so, before yeah 2011 is, is like six years into the making of my fitness business actually uh september 1st is 15 years i started in my house personal training all right yeah like six six guinea pigs as i was getting my certification with um AFA. Were, were they just friends they or? were just friends i'm like hey can i practice on you yeah yeah so september of 2005 Right. So that's 15 years. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and I got certified in January of 2006. So I was practicing on them as I was studying. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just did, I did personal training out of my house from 2005 until I think I started uh, like small group training maybe in 2008. Um, and this is all Inspire Fitness. Inspire Fitness. It, it, well, at the time it was called Live, Live Fit Training. Okay. Inspire Fitness was when we opened on um, the location. We actually turned like we went commercial with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So personal training, then started small group training. Trish and I, Trish came in um, in 2008 ish and started helping in my house. She was a 
aerobics coordinator over at American Family Fitness. And we, you know, hooked up there. I started teaching aerobics actually. Um, and then started my own business and then she got involved. Um, she wasn't able to teach at American Family Fitness anymore after she had her liver transplant transplant in 2009 and my house as you can imagine was clean and mm -hmm. you know she because she had a compromised immune system she couldn't be around like a, bacteria a gym, yeah. and all that yeah a gym um the old gyms. the old gyms yeah um and then you know we bought two spin bikes we would go to like fitness conferences and stuff we bought two spin bikes her and i would have our own little mini spin classes and then mm -hmm. we're like let's get a few more bikes and we ended up with four bikes and then we'd start having you know, small group spin sessions at five o'clock in the morning. And it just like turned into, turned into a business where on Saturdays in 450 square feet, we'd have um, 20 people doing a boot camp circuit training style in my house. And it got to the point where I had so many people that it was just like, I either need to just say nobody else can come or we need to get a know, physical location, get bigger and, you know, get a, Bigger location. Are any of those spin bikes you have out there? Some of the original yes. spin bikes, really? Yes. That's cool. Yeah. So they've been. The only there's only the one. There's only one. The actual first bike that um, we don't have anymore because we were having some problems with it, and somebody bought it because mm -hmm. it was still usable. It just was not usable like how we were using it. When, when you have a piece of equipment that's been with you that long, like I go through this, <coughs> and like you're, it's the first bike, and yeah. you're selling it off. Do you do you feel guilty? Like do you feel attached to it in any kind mm -hmm. of way? Not a spin bike, Not but spin I don't know bike. if I could get rid of any barbells. Like poor Mercedes, my first, you know, good barbell. She hasn't been lifted in a while, cause, especially because Carol Ann's not here doing, you know, lifting because Carol Ann would always, you know, use. Come on, Carol Ann. Yeah, come on, Carol Ann. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I could ever sell Mercedes. Yeah. It's funny how you get attached to inanimate <laughs> objects, but mm -hmm. really with a barbell, it's so personal. Like, yes. You, you're a barbell is completely yeah. different than any other piece of equipment. Yeah, you're just in, so involved with it. <laughs> yeah. Like it gives, it takes, yes. you know. Yeah. You cry, you laugh together, uh -huh. the whole the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Well, w going back to Inspire, what what made you choose that name? So you were Live for Fit before. Live Fit. Live like, Fit. Live Fit, yeah. So like, Live Fit before. Yep. And then, so what made you decide, all right, I, I don't want to use that name going forward and choose Inspire Fitness? Um, well, that is, that's probably the easiest question that you, that I'll get from you. Um, Trish O'Neill, who's my uh, original business partner, we actually just brought on a new business partner, but her and I have been um, business partners since 2011. Um, we became very close friends and then our husbands as well. Um, and, you know, we it actually, in July of 2008, we went to Vegas for a fitness conference and the idea, you know, World Fitness Conference. And um, we, you know, we would start, we started renting out the fun and dance studio is what it was called before um, to do bigger classes and stuff. And uh, never really thought about buying like, or, you know, opening up our own place. Um, but when she got sick, in um, February of 2009 and then I mean she literally is a miracle she should not be here today I mean she should be here today she was meant to be here today but her story which is would actually make a great podcast hey we'll have to get her you on the what? show next time I'm in town oh that is like the best idea ever like Let's she do it. will be an amazing 
podcast guest. And I'll, I'll have uh, to talk her in uh, on the podcast into doing weightlifting. Yeah, so there I'll you go. A, we won't tell her though. Yeah, no, we won't. Um, I won't just take this part out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let me try not to go off on too many tangents here. She, she survived like, um, her, I mean, her, a liver failure. And it's, a, it is literally, I'll let her tell you why, but it's, it is a miracle that she's still alive. And that was 2009. So then after that is when she really got involved in my home business. And then we got to, like I said, we got to that point where it's like, we can't take any more people. It's not like we can do classes all day long, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and then we, I remember sitting down with her and Gary, Frank and I, and saying, hey, let's open a business. Right. No, no plan or anything. Just let's open, let's open a business and open a, find a place, buy a building, whatever. Let's open up a training studio. And, and it was just it, there, as far as a name, there was just no question inspire. Like, it's like, we, what do we want to do? We want to inspire people mm -hmm. to be better and, you know, be healthier. And I mean, Trish is just an inspiration. She's like an inspiration to anybody that she comes in contact with. So inspire was just kind of like, that's the name. Yeah. It just, yeah. it just spoke to you. It, it did. It did. Um, and when we, when we went to do the, um, when we affiliated with CrossFit, you know, we had assumed that we were going to be able to be inspire CrossFit or CrossFit inspire. Um, but what we didn't know is that if there's already that name out there in the 13,000 affiliates, you can't use it. So there can't be two CrossFit inspires. Mm -hmm. You can't even say, um, CrossFit be inspired. The, the word inspire can't be in more than one name. So then we which have to come is, up with something Which is weird else. because there's, there's <clears throat> a CrossFit Albany out there in the world and we're Albany CrossFit. It, it might be before they, perhaps at some point yeah, they, you're right. they put that rule in there. Cause how long have you guys been affiliated? 2007. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. So I think, you know, 2007, there probably weren't as many affiliates. No. I know that there weren't as, as much as there are now. So I think at some point they must've decided, okay, there needs to be unique names. Otherwise we're going to have, you know, 20 CrossFit inspires, you know? Yeah. So we had to come up with a, you know, a different name. And, uh, so we still, you know, we're still associating ourselves with Inspire Fitness. It's still a DBA. Um, but we did change to CrossFit Sona in terms of like search engines and the overall, like our brand, bus overall you know? business. Yeah. 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 It's hard to have two, two names, brands. two I know. brands. I know. We we've talked about this before way back. Yeah. And it, it's something that we've gone through as well because right. we were Albany the CrossFit and the court club. Right. So it's kind of like is this all Albany CrossFit? Is it Albany CrossFit at the court club? Right. You know, it's a whole, right. a whole thing, you know, but yeah. And it was not, um, it wasn't well received by, by our group. Um, and, and I understand it now more than I did then. I'm like, who, you know, what's, who cares? We're changing our name. Um, and it goes back to the fact that Trish and I decided to open a business without really having any business knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm, that, that's not something I keep to myself. <laughs> it's, it's just, we, neither one of us had any experience in business. Um, 
And I had, I was just like, what's the big deal? Well, you know, it was a big deal. Like we had a brand. Inspire was a brand and people get attached to those brands. People get attached and we lost members over it. Not because we did anything wrong with what we were doing. Um, you know, we didn't change anything with that part of our business. You know, we still had our spinning, our group spinning and our group boot camps and stuff. Um, but having a brand, it's, you know, people count on, they know, they know if they go to Inspire Fitness, this there's going to be a replicated experience that they can they know that they can keep coming back to. Yeah. Um, so you know, I've, mistakes in business, I've made plenty of them. That I don't I don't know if I want to call it a mistake, but if I could go back, I might have done things differently. I might have kept the Inspire Fitness name, and I know a lot of businesses, you know, they will call it like the home of CrossFit Sona. Yeah. Inspire Fitness, the home of CrossFit Sona. Something like that. But, you know, hindsight's 2020. Can't really change it now. Yeah. Um, and I so. mean, who knows, like, had you not had that, you know, that that entrepreneurship bug that sparked up and, and you and Trish were like, hey, let's just start a business, you know, and, and just go head first in. Who knows? You might not be here where no, you are right now. Definitely not. I mean, like, it's, it's one thing to think about hey, it could be at a different, better place. Mm -hmm. But I think more often than not, probably no, because all of the mistakes you made and all the hardships that you experienced over those years mm -hmm. from all those mistakes made you who you are right now. Right. You're a smarter business yeah. owner now. And everyone who's at the gym at this point is benefiting from those mistakes. So it's, Agreed. A, yeah. it's, it's funny when you go to think about it. Yeah, there's two, I mean, there's two ways to think about it. It's like, would yeah. you would it? And that's why I say, I don't know that I would have done anything differently because I mean, I like where we are. I, it could, could be better because of the shutdown and everything. I mean, we were, you know, last summer I had set on a mission that I am going to become a better business owner. I started reading, you know, books. Um, one of my favorites is the E-Myth. I don't know if you've read that no. one before. It talks about why, why um, entrepreneurial businesses fail and how to, you know, how, how to make sure that that doesn't happen or turn around what you're doing. Um, but I, I, you know, sat down with Trish and I'm like, this is what I'm doing. This is my goal right now. Like what's running, running the, like working in the business. We have people to do that. I need to reset my focus, my mindset on growing this business so mm -hmm. that it survives, you know? Yeah. And we were coming off of, our best um so this all happened in march you know between fourth quarter last year and first quarter this year we were at our best revenue numbers that we've ever been at so like i was on we were on a roll you know and then all this happened so now it's like it's it's going to be a rebuilding process yeah for know? everybody <clears throat> yeah what's what's a piece of advice you have maybe something that you learned from that book the e-myth um, on someone who's listening right now, they're mm -hmm. thinking about going off on their own or starting a project. Maybe there's someone who's been like, you know, I, I've always wanted to start my own coffee shop. Yeah. You know, like they just want to do something. What's one thing you've learned that they should do right away to make sure that they're successful? Any, I think that anybody that is starting their own business, um, you're, you are a technician. Um, you're a technician in that business. You you want to grow it to something bigger because you want to share your passion with other people. And 
passion is like the entrepreneurial part of it, you know? Um, and you know, that's where you have your vision and everything like that. Um, that's where you develop your, your plan and everything. Um, we, you know, we didn't have a plan. We just wanted to do what we loved to do. Mm -hmm. And without having any other knowledge, it's like, you know, you, you, you have to do some, I would say, read the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's like you have it, this passion. You want to do what you love to do, but you got to feed yourself. You got to right. make money. Well, right. You, you have to do that. And it's like, um, I don't know how to exactly explain it, but it's like, you have, um, you can't be a business owner and plan on working in your business only there. You have to work on the business. Yeah. So that would be my, that, that, that would be my advice is your, your perspective has to change because otherwise you're just going to run yourself into the ground and you know, everything's just going to be chaos around you. You have to have systems in place. You know, it has to be a, it has to be an experience that a customer can come to and get the same thing every time that they come here. And for me, it's been, it's very personal to me. So it's hard for me to, um, it, it's hard for me to take myself out of working in the business to work on it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. You have yeah. to have CrossFit Sona. Every coach and instructor at CrossFit Sona has to know what the standards are and you have to teach them and right. lead them so that if when they go to your class and then they go to Frank's class, they're getting the same right. experience. You guys are using very similar progressions. There's a similar format to the class. Uh, it's not like uh, they go to Frank's class and it's like, this is another gym. Right. This doesn't feel yeah. like CrossFit Sona. It yeah. still all has the same unity to it yeah and crossfit like organically has brought that to our business because it wasn't always like that with our other classes and it's still a work it's definitely still a work in progress i still don't have all of those things figured out you know i was getting just getting to the point where i was starting to make those um systems and all of that and then all this happened and it's just kind of been a mess um but yeah, it takes yeah. time, it you know, does. just, just like with, with everything else. It takes time. Um, you know, fortunately, we've been able to keep going. You know, we haven't, um, neither Trish or I, it's like, it's kind of like our, it was our hobby. I mean, honestly, and I, and I think that's kind of like in a nutshell is what I was trying to do last May is let's turn this into a business, not a hobby so yeah. that it has like a lasting life because you know, Trish is only a few years away from, you know, retiring from her job. You know, this is just what I do. Um, you know, it'd be nice to make it into something that we can eventually like pass on to somebody else, you know, somebody else would want to buy. Well, it's kind of like, you know, if you're that person with the coffee shop, you, you have your little coffee shop that's open from, you know, like, like 6am to, to 9am every day or only on weekends or something. And it's your mm -hmm. hobby. You just love to make coffee and give people coffee. And then you go more seriously into the business and it turns into something that's open every day of the week for full business hours. Mm -hmm. And then you eventually start to have another location and another location. And next thing you know, you're Starbucks. And then you have to start trusting other people to do a job the way you would want it to be done. Yeah. And that's the hard part. That is the hard part. And that was, that was my biggest is, my biggest challenge is, 
you know, you have to make sure that everybody knows what to expect. You're, you know, the people that work in your business, they, they have to know what you expect from them. They're, you know, and that goes to the whole having systems and processes in line. If you have that written out, it's like, there's no question about it. Yeah. You just expect people to know what you want. Doesn't work. It's, it's like coaching, it, right? Yeah. Like, so if, if, if I have athletes who come to a class and I'm like, all right, everybody, uh, grab your rowers but I didn't tell them where to put the rowers, then I'm going to get a 10 different interpretations of that. And when they eventually fail because Susie's in the corner, Billy's out in the hallway and it's like madness. Whose fault is it? It's my my fault. fault. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's uh, because you didn't give them the clear instruction and the expectations up front. Hey, everyone grab a rower and put the wheels on this line. So we're all facing the same direction. Yeah. And like then everything's when, in our head. We know exactly what we want it to look like and, and you know, but you have to be able to communicate that to people. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's all part of yeah. being a coach, all part of being a, a business. Yes. Owner. Yeah. It's all yeah. part of life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so well, let's go back a little bit. So now you do the tough mutters mm-hmm. and at what point does that take you to weightlifting? <laughs> oh, well, now you're asking the hard questions. Oh yeah. Um, so like I had, like I had said, I was, um, I was obsessed with my first Tough Mudder that was coming around and gosh, I can't even believe I can't remember the exact date, but I think it was like October of 2012. And I started training for it in May of 2012 and 2012 was a really difficult year. I had lost complete control of the business because we, we had no idea what we were doing mm-hmm. and I had a very hard time, um, I had a very hard time communicating with people and I was extremely stressed. Um, and that, that doesn't even put it, (laughs) that doesn't even put it into perspective. Um, I'm driven. I had always been very driven by emotion. Um, and I could not communicate with people very well. So people got angry. There was a lot of like fighting going on and, Mm -hmm. um, it, it was chaos it was literal and utter chaos <laughs> at a 160 Festival Parkway. Between um, you and Trish or no, just other instructors? Like instructors, employees. Um, it, and looking back, you know, it, it was, it's definitely on me. I was the business owner, but I didn't, I didn't really like understand it because I was going through literally a mental breakdown. Um, my mother, there's mental illness in my family. Um, my mother was bipolar. Um, my grandmother was like bipolar to the, um, my mother's mother, so maternal grandmother, like she was almost like psychotic. Um, and, and I think I had always known that I had some kind of like emotional issue, like emotional, let's call it a disorder. Um, and, and I think that the stress of getting myself into that business without really understanding the like how big it was, it, it just, it brought all that out. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't control it. I couldn't, um, it, it was like, it, what would they call it? It was like a train going downhill without brakes. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of all that, I think that finding that tough mutter gave me something to focus on so that I could kind of like just let, um, drown out the noise of everything else going on but everything else going on didn't go away. And so yeah. there's just this balloon that's Compounding. being filled up 
and you know not you know getting ready to pop and but it just it just kept inflating and you know so I, I did I did this training I was obsessed with this people around me were like you are obsessed with this this is not good it made more people angry in the business because I wasn't dealing with the issues that needed to be dealt with and after the Tough Mudder was over, that was, and actually it was like either October 18th or 19th, um, I just fell into this huge depression um, and finally went to my doctor who, re who referred me to a psychiatrist. And in beginning of November, I was diagnosed with, you know, having bipolar disorder, which was not really a surprise. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that I ignored and just kind of like didn't want to like really deal with and I was just kind of forced to deal with it um so <clears throat> oh, hey if we're gonna get into it let's just get yeah into let's it. let's um, talk about it. I mean there's yeah, there's people out there who yeah, may have experienced the right. same thing or don't know so yeah let's I don't even know people. if I've shared this with you before I think I have in the early days um so after that was over, I just had this it's kind of like you know planning your wedding and having a wedding and then it's over and it's like oh, yeah, that that lull, you know, and then but most people, uh, you know, most people that are, you know, mentally okay, you know, they're like that for, you know, a few days or whatever, and then they pick themselves back up and they go on to the next thing. I just, it's like that was over. And all the reality of the fact that every problem and everything that was wrong was still there and, and not knowing what to do with the business or myself. Um, I just, it was like a breaking point. So I got on some medication the middle of November um, and Thanksgiving week of November that of 2012, things at the gym just came to a head. Like it, you know, um, it was Black Friday and um, I was actually, I was walking around the mall with a couple of my friends and Trish called and said, can I come over? I need to talk to you. And I'm like, sure. And I knew that whatever was going on wasn't good, you know? And, and Trish, Trish is, she's the sweetest and most, she, she's really good at just, you know, seeing both sides of things and everything. And, and I know it was very hard for her to, to do this, to talk to me. And there were people at the, at the gym, like, um, our trainers employee that were just like, you gotta, you gotta do something. Yeah. Um, you have, you, you have to, you have to do something with what's going on saying this to Trish, which, which put her in, it put her in an uncomfortable situation. I know. And it was definitely a turning point <laughs> for, for me and for the business. Um, and for a lot of relationships, but, um, I ended up not taking the conversation very well. And I literally, I like had a complete nervous breakdown and I threatened to kill myself. Um, like it was a very, I hate thinking about that day, but it was black Friday, 2012 ended up the police came, took me to the emergency room. Is this when and, Trish is there? Mm -hmm. Trish and Frank were there. And, you know, it was, it was a, it is not something that 
you know, it's not something I necessarily like to talk about, but it was, it was, it was definitely the breaking point. Um, and it was a tough couple of years after that. Um, you know, I didn't end up, they didn't end up keeping me or anything at the, you know, cause I went to Binghamton general. Um, they didn't end up keeping me. I ended up, you know, just calming down and everything. Um, but after that happened, um, it was a long uphill, uphill battle. Um, I still did more Tough Mudders after that. Um, and they still probably were on the side of obsessed. I mean, it took me a long time to recover from that, mm -hmm. um, to be where I am right now. And it's only, I think it's been two, maybe three years. I don't know. You, you've been in some of this, like some yeah. you've experienced, whether you knew it or not, you were experienced some of my recovery from this. Oh, um, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, because I met you in 2014 and I actually had like another mini breakdown after another tough mutter in, in the summer of 2014, um, you know, burned some more bridges with friends and, and even like people that were my clients just because I, I was just not emotionally stable. Have, um, have you gone back and mended any of those bridges? Um, yeah. Okay. Especially with like, and I don't know if it was like, it was definitely not a burned bridge with Trish, but it, it was, it it really tested our relationship as business owners and as friends because, and she would, and she would tell you the same that, you know, looking back on it, no one understood what I was going through. No, no one really understood that I was sick. Mm -hmm. Mental illness is like, it's a very, um, it's not something that people like talking about, you know, it's kind of like the, I mean, I'd compare it like, to like the opioid crisis right now. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't, those are things that, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, there's a negative connotation. What's another way, another word? Like, it's like a stigma. Yes, yes, stigma. a stigma. Um, it, it's not like cancer or not, not that there's, you know, they're not important things, but it's easy to raise money for cancer and, you know, talk about cancer. People think that's not their fault. I think a lot of times, um, mental illness is looked at like this is something that's my fault like i should be able to you can't see it yeah you can't see it so therefore it must not be there it's like the and unknown if, if you're not going people. through it you don't understand it either right so like even my even frank my husband didn't fully understand what was going on and i mean it took years and you know i'm grateful. Oh, I didn't want to cry. Am I the first to cry on a yeah, podcast? I'm pretty sure I'm um, breaking records. I'm grateful that Trish and Gary stuck through it because I tell you, if I was in their, in their shoes, you know, there was a point where we considered like separating, you know, mm -hmm. not closing the business, but just them wanting to be out of it. And, you know, we talked them into, you know, let's just give it till the end of the year and, and then make a decision and things started getting better. But it was hard. I, I'm, uh, it's, it's, it's sad for me to know what I put a lot of people through, even though I know that it wasn't my fault per se, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, but you know, good segue to what weightlifting has done for my life. Yeah. Well, right? let's, let's kind of talk about yeah. into the journey now. So, yeah. uh, we met in October ish of 2014. Yep at CrossFit Zone or no, uh, uh, Cross Southern Tier. Southern Tier. Yeah. Okay. 
So yeah. I'll, I'll let you tell the, the story. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, like, um, you know, I know that, you know, they, on you know, they had to close their doors and everything, but in, um, in some ways, Southern Tier CrossFit saved my life. Um, you know, I met you at a time after my second kind of nervous breakdown. It wasn't as bad as the first. I'd never, um, I, I wasn't like suicidal anymore at that point. You know, that was a couple of years later. Um, but I started needing to get outside of this gym mm -hmm. to go work out. So I had joined Planet Fitness. I just needed to take myself out of um, the business because it was still, um, it was still something that I kind of had a resentment about because it was where, you know, we were here already, but it was still, you know, it was still the gym. Things yeah. hadn't like completely changed for me. Well, it's, like, like, it's like you've probably learned like from Dr. Perry Nicholson, yeah. change your environment. Your right. environment plays into right. your mental state right. and your physical state. Right. And I was at the point where I just, um, like I was resenting my business because it was just like, it's a part of the worst time in my life you know, mm -hmm. for me personally. And so I had joined planet fitness and I just got kind of tired of being on the elliptical and, oh, did you get the lunk alarms? Did they sound? No, the because I wasn't doing anything like that. You know, okay. I did, like, I mean, I might've picked up a dumbbell, but I was mostly doing just the machines and, you know, getting on an elliptical for an hour. You know, I feel God. like, I feel like, um, I'm not whole as a weightlifter. Never having that monk alarm <laughs> pull up. Yeah. Bar. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Um, but never having gone into a Planet Fitness oh. and having, I think the next time I'm in town, you, me, and Frank need to go to the local Planet Fitness and get kicked out for, <laughs> for lifting weights and have the monk alarm set, yeah. set on us. Oh, that's funny. We should totally do that. Yeah. So I was, you know, that just wasn't for me, like ha having, you know, been in like the boot camp, and this is way before CrossFit, this is a couple of years before yeah. we did CrossFit here. Um, you know, I just needed something that was a little bit more challenging. So I was like, all right, I'll try CrossFit. So I went there. I don't remember when exactly. I think it was like August because that's about when I stopped working out with the personal trainer that I was working out with. And it was just another time where it's just like, all right, I still, I'm just, I need to, I need to do something to, to make myself feel better. And I went there and I think it was less than a couple months later that you did a barbell club. And of course I hear barbell, yeah, barbell club. And I'm like, it brought me back to my, you know, my power clean days at, in, in college. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this a try and learn something about Olympic lifting. And I think yeah. that might've been the first time I had ever learned that this movement that I loved so much was kind of part of Olympic lifting yeah. and part know? of a, bigger movement too. Yeah. Yeah. On a for full sure. plane and then yeah. a jerk. Yep. So, and I, and I came maybe a couple times and then I think that I was just going through a really, really hard time again. And I stopped going. Um, well, I remember meeting you at one of the first uh, sessions and the whole reason I was even there was because this was at a time when I was traveling from Albany to here in Binghamton because Joanna was still living here. Yeah. So I would come back every weekend and eventually I was like, well, it'd be nice if I had a place to train when I was out here. Yeah. And I didn't realize that there were other CrossFit gyms because when I had left this area back in 2012, there was only cross or Binghamton CrossFit. <clears throat> right. And then I started coming back and eventually there was parlor city CrossFit, mm -hmm. which they're closed down now, unfortunately. And there was also Southern tier yep. around that time. So I went to parlor city, wasn't my jam, you know, yeah. there wasn't, you know, like, Albany CrossFit, but 
Southern Tier was a little closer. They had the wood. Right. They had uh, competition plates, things like that. Yeah. So I started to go there. And then eventually Barry, shout out to Barry Baldridge. Yeah. He's like, hey, you know, would you want to, you know, do a, a class here on the weekends when you come in? And it's like, all right, well, hey, you know, it's a way for me to make a couple bucks, yeah. pay for my gas into town. Right. I can train here. I got a key to the place. Uh, Joanna joined Southern Tier CrossFit. And then uh, eventually I met you. I met Kathy, Patrick, Patrick Amanda, uh, Bob, yep. everybody. Frank. Yeah. Frank. I can't, I can't remember the Frank, first time. You, my Frank. Frank Meyer. Yeah. Frank you, Meyer. Uh, who, who you wish was here. Yeah. It, that'd be, it's uh, at least just his presence. Just, yeah. just, but anyway, so started doing that class and then you came to one of the very first ones. Mm -hmm. I think there were maybe probably only like four or five people there. Right. And I remember you were very skeptical. Yeah. For sure. So, cause uh, I'm showing you guys all these movements, talking about things. So you were right away. I could tell you were very analytical. Mm -hmm. You're like, like, I felt like every move I was making was being <laughs> analyzed and critiqued right now. And you had, you were the only one with questions, you know, why do my feet need to be here? Why am I doing this uh -huh. doing that? And I also kind of felt like there was a little pushback on when you were critiqued or given oh, yeah. a correction. Oh yeah. There was a pushback on yeah. Like, well, what do you know? You're like, yeah. so I, I could feel that right away. And I honestly, I probably thought I was like, well, I don't know if she'll be back next week. Yeah. You know, and I or, probably wasn't for a while. Or yeah. You're talking about when I came back in March. Uh, well, I'm talking about like, uh, from, from the fall. Yeah. I, I don't, I actually, I probably only saw you maybe once. Yeah. I think you had the old Reebok weightlifting shoes, yes. white yeah, with sure the did. gray bottom. Yeah. yeah. See, I remember the shoes because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I probably moved your feet around yeah. the different spots. Yeah. And that was one of our first points of contention yes. on where your feet were going to yeah. go. Um, and then I didn't see you for a while. You might've popped into one more class Maybe. here and there. Yeah. And we, you know, we did all kinds of things, snatches, clean jerk squats. And then that brings us to March. This, the March. Yeah. So I'll let you take it over March. Yeah. So then <clears throat> You know, in March, I was just really ready to like come back. I started going back to CrossFit classes and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this barbell thing too. And uh, that's when I, I think I met Patrick at that time. I don't remember when I had uh, the Gordons come. I think that was later on, not mm -hmm. too much later on. Cause I know they came to Boston, my first meet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at that time I just decided, all right, this is my new thing. You know, I was still, I was still doing tough mutters, but it's like, this is something that I know I'm interested in. Like I could love this. And there's so much to learn. Yes. The lore and, and of the I sport like, technique. And I like learning, like you said, like being analytical and everything like that. I think that I was a little too analytical. I, I think I'd like to think that I'm less that now, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that because I have had so much experience with technique and everything i don't break things down as much yeah as i used to that oh was a God. that was a challenge early on <laughs> on you giving me a oh. manifesto of critiquing oh your own God. lips I know, I know. before i'd given I you feedback i still have we still have oh, all of it i know um, yeah it's crazy like to sometimes i'll be in my google photos or something and, and you know pull some of those up it's like oh my God. With, oh. the pink, with the pink weights, we had yeah, pink, the pink, pink bumper plates Yes, and yeah. the old Inspire Fitness uh, yeah. set, set up. Yeah, for sure. Well, so in, in May or March, um, in the spring of 2015, yes. so at, at some point you started coming back to the barbell yes. class and then 
you approached me about getting personal training sessions. Yes. So one-on-one yeah. -on -one sessions to work on the weightlifting yes. skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was hard. Like, um, it was, it was way more than I thought it was going to be, you know, I thought it was going to be like, yeah, we're just going to like lift heavy. And, you know, I didn't like, I, I don't think that I realized how much technique was involved. Mm -hmm. Um, which can be frustrating. And, and you know, I was, I was that person that was just like, come on, just let me lift. And you're like, let's work on, you know, setting up on the bar. And I still remember you helping me learn how to set up for a snatch. I could not, I seriously could not keep myself up down there. I don't know what, like my legs were just, I had no strength to hold a starting position. Runner's legs. Like it was, yeah, probably, but it was so difficult just to not sink way down into like a supported low squat, but to lift my hips up and I couldn't do it. I don't know if you remember that, but it was painful. Like I could not hold a starting position. I, I, I vaguely remember trying to get you into a position and this happens with a lot of people and then you would just stand up. Yeah. And then the, yeah. the tough thing is now we got to do it again, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, so it's, it took a couple times for you to kind of oh, realize, more than a couple times. you know, yeah. the, the leg situation. You're a saint because I know how difficult I was. I mean, I'm still difficult. We still I have, have this. Our, on, I have this on yeah, recording now. Yeah, but like, yeah, I don't know. I was lucky that it was you as my coach because I don't know how you put up with me. <laughs> well, I I remember <laughs> after one barbell club, you said, "Hey, I, I'd like to hire you. Let me know what your rates are, and we'll we'll start meeting." I think after the barbell club, so you would come okay, and yeah. take barbell club. And then, then we would do more technique work right. for another hour right there at uh, Southern Tier CrossFit. Yeah. And when you came back, and, and I had said yes, the following week you gave me a, a two to three page document front and back that had your whole story uh, <laughs> on, on much of what uh, you've said on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. Uh, it had things in there about the lifts you've done, your uh -huh. old PRs that you, cause you, you had worked with another coach on some barbell yes. stuff yeah. before that here in town. Yeah. Um, we had to fix a lot of that. Yes. And then, um, <laughs> we won't mention yeah. that person's name. Um, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. You never told me. Uh, and then it also told me about like, like you have the history of your quads, <laughs> you know, and how you want big quads and getting them stronger. Yeah, we so, haven't gotten anywhere with that yeah, in five so, years. <laughs> so, uh, I, I actually still have it. You do? Yep, I kept oh, it. Uh, oh. So I still have, I'll send you a photograph of okay. it when I get back to Albany. Oh, that's funny. I kind of remember, I kind of remember that now that you mentioned yep. it. But it's, it had all your uh, stats in there, everything I need to know. And it also had a couple other things in there. So it had in there about your races and about how that was going to still be happening. Okay. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> we'll see. And um, this wasn't in the document, but you, you told me this one of the very first times I met you. You said, I'm very competitive. Uh, I want to go all in on this to a certain extent because there's uh -huh. still the races yeah. and I get whatever I want. <laughs> so I, did I say that yeah. or if that's what you got the, from the, it? No, no, you said something pretty much like that. Like, 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 because uh, you were, you were saying in terms of like with the weightlifting, like, yeah. like whatever I get, I want, and yeah. I want to be good at this. So yeah. I'm going to get it. Oh, yeah. you mean whatever you give me, I want. Wait, what do you mean? No, no, whatever you want, uh -huh. you're going to go you're get gonna, it. You're going to go get it. Yeah. And then also 
but also whatever you want, you're going to get. I think you were trying to tell me as your trainer that, you know, if you didn't want to do this movement or that, like, like whatever. And then, so I was like, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. All right. So why, like, why, why did you even like take me on? What was it? What was it about me that it's a, like? It's a challenge. Cause, and also you, you also said in, in either the document, I'll have to look, or you had said that you wanted to, you know, go to big meets. Mm -hmm. You wanted to, to, to win and whatnot. And I, I realized, well, okay, you're, you're coming at me with all this stuff, mm -hmm. but someone who's coming at me with a, 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 a book on their history and, and all these things that they want and goals, and also who's speaking to me like this right now has the potential to be a champion and, and do mm -hmm. big things. Uh, it shows that you're going to be all in and mm -hmm. that's what, what you want. You want someone who's going to be, you know, uh, taking the time to film their videos so and challenge all, for you and all, all that <laughs> stuff. But in my head, when you had said you get what you want, I, I said, all right, challenge accepted. Mm -hmm. And I countered with another challenge because you wanted my phone number. <laughs> so right away, right away. I was, right, out of context, that sounds weird. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you wanted my phone number to, oh. so that way you could text me updates yeah. and, and also just to have it. You so have, good that you didn't give me your phone number. You have, well, I, I could tell that I probably shouldn't uh -huh. because it would, my phone yeah. probably have been blown Blow up, up. Yep. all the time yeah. with issues coming yeah. up in training. It was just easier. We, we have a private Facebook group where you would upload your yes. videos to. And oh before then we were doing something on like Google, yes. you know, yeah. uh, but then we moved to Facebook to kind of document everything and I could leave you feedback. We were kind of doing online training Every and day. Zoom stuff back, yeah. back before anyone else was doing it. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, yeah. like everyone has these big yeah. teams now, yeah. we've, we've been a, a weightlifting team before anyone else yeah. is doing this stuff, critiques you know. over Facebook. So you said, you said, I want, I want your phone number. And I said, well, I'll make you a deal. When you can snatch X and clean oh, and jerk and I, X. And I still haven't. You can. Um, oh, no. I got the body weight. Yep. You got the body weight clean yeah. jerk. I still haven't gotten 115. On, is, on the snatch. Yeah. Well, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, but eventually. Maybe in the next five years. But we, we put number goals on it. And that was my way of being like, okay, if you want this, you're going to have to work for it. Yeah. <laughs> and I worked hard for yeah, that for a long time. You worked time. hard for five years. And, and then you just gave in and gave it to me, even though that the deal, like I didn't hold up my end of the deal. Well, you got 112 on the, the yeah, snatch. Yeah. And then you also. It's you, actually 112.63. Yeah, yeah, 0.63. Yeah. But you also got the clean and jerk. So I was like, close enough. But you, but I, it's not this year you gave me the phone number. You gave it to me last January. Did it wasn't I? January. No. It was January 19. Right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it was not January 2020. I've had it. I've had your number. Yeah. You use it. You use my number more than I. Use oh, I, I, oh, I, I remember. Actually, I remember. This is what I, what I told you. I said when you snatch 115, you can have it. And then when, when I you, have a body weight clean and jerk, you, I can use. You it. can use yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So I guess because well, yeah. You know, it's funny you because I completely forgot about that document. Um, but it, I think that it kind of it, it's like a it, it's a historical like tangible thing that you that we can look at that shows where I was at that point in my life yeah like because I was I seriously was still recovering from you know a breakdown and and trying to get my disease under control and uh but that's interesting like knowing how I feel now and like how far I've come over the past you know five more than five years because that was like March you know five and a half years um 
I mean, I, it was, it was a struggle and I needed, I couldn't, I, I think that maybe I went into it thinking, all right, this is just going to be, this can be like another tough mutter thing where yeah. I can, I can just, you know, because the tough mutter thing was over. That was tainted because there were the second nervous breakdown was like attached to an actual tough mutter, like in the tough mutter. Um, and that's an interesting story too. Ask me about monkey bars. <laughs> um, and so I think that that was like my next thing. Yeah. I just didn't know weightlifting didn't know what it had in for it, but I didn't know what I had in for it, you know, yeah. too, because weightlifting, one of the reasons I think that I always say that weightlifting saved my life and you did too, James, just so you know, because you could have like, just said, screw this crazy bitch. <laughs> oh, I swore. Um, you have to bleep that out. Yeah. I don't, I don't so, even know how to bleep that yeah. out. <laughs> uh, but you stuck with me and you know, one of the greatest lessons of weightlifting, because it is such an unforgiving sport, is I've learned to be patient. I mean, I know I'm not always patient, but I've learned patience from it. I've never been a patient person. And, and it's a humbling sport. I needed to be humbled. And, you know, the old me never would have stuck with this this long, waiting years for a one kilo PR or... Yeah. You know, trying to look at other other successes as opposed to just that top number. You know, yeah. like most people think of, you know, you just keep making these, you know, gains. Like that's what, that, that's the only thing that is important in weightlifting is like the highest, the most that you can lift. And it's not about that at all. Well, I think maybe that was one of my initial assessments was that I knew in meeting you and in interacting with you for that short period of time that maybe, you know, that you would be humbled or that it almost needed to happen, so oh, to say. Yeah, yeah. And that I was just going to be like, almost like a wall, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, like no, no give unless I agree with the give mm -hmm. because like that initial reaction was like, okay, that's not how, that, that, that might be how a trainer and member or client relationship works, mm -hmm. but this isn't how a coach and athlete works. If relationship, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense, we're going to have to be a team. We're going to have to be a partnership, but you know, there's not going to be like one person is overly dominant versus the next. Yeah. And I almost felt like, well, I'm not just going to let you tell me what to do. Like <laughs> I, I know what we need to do. So I just need to be a, a wall on things where like you would dish it out and then I would almost give no, no, no response, no response yeah. and no, no, no reaction. Cause I know if I, if I react in an emotional way, well, then you're just going to continue to react mm -hmm. in a, an emotional way. So it's just kind of like, let it, let it play out. And then when you're ready to talk, now we can, now right. we can talk. Yeah. And I remember in those early days, like at the Elmira meets and when, like when I first met Frank, your Frank, mm -hmm. he, uh, one of the first things he said to me is that she's changed so much already from doing weightlifting. And I didn't really understand it fully at, at the time, but I remember him being very grateful and Bob and Kathy saying things like, yeah. like she seems like a different person doing weightlifting. Yeah. Tears because my husband is like, <laughs> he's the, the things, saint. Frank, the Frank Myers, he, the saint. The things that, uh, maybe an angel is a better, better term. <laughs> He's, uh, he's something. He's, uh, he's my rock for sure. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. He definitely sees what the sport has done, done for me and for us, like for our life, for the gym, you know, it's definitely been, it, it was not, it might've started out as an obsession, but it's, it's therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the first person that has said weightlifting no. is therapy. Well, you had a, a blog at one point, yeah. uh, my barbell, my shrink. Yep. Should bring that back. I should. Yeah. I should. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to The Barbell Strikes Back. That was part one of my interview with Tracy Meyer. Part two will be posted on Wednesday. So be sure to tune in then to listen to the rest of Tracy's incredible story. But in the meantime, head on over to Instagram and make sure that you follow The Barbell Strikes Back. Follow me, James A. McDermott. And if you have time, go to Apple Podcasts leave a five-star rating and a positive review. Thank you again so much for listening. Until next time.